Alright guys, here we are. We're here. It's official. We've got another episode of the Emgo Fish Podcast. I'm your host, David Arnold. With me tonight, uh, as part of our rotating series of hosts, we have Harry Hillman over there twirling his mustache. Um, like an evil man who just received a large stimulus check. Think of how he's going to spend that. Uh, sorry, man. What? I was ha- dependent last year. Let me tell you, I have some kids, and and that 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 stimulus check has looked pretty nice in my bank account. Can't lie. Just came in today, actually. And on the other line, we have Anthony Troya, Troya Pedroia. I I have to still say that in my mind before I actually <laughs> say your last name, Anthony. How you doing, man? How you doing? I'm all right, man. Uh... Uh, on, on lockdown, if you will, uh, I've been out of work for I don't know, going on for this week four. I don't even, dude. Uh, I'm working, which is good. But uh, yeah, I got my stimulus check today too, which is because basically uh, it's gonna pay the bills for a little bit, which is nice. It is. It is. It is. I'm so jealous of the people who don't have kids and are quarantined right now. Um, that's another story. I do love my kids, believe it or not. I spend a lot, <laughs> a lot more time with them than I ever did before. Uh, still probably better than than sharing a house with Harry Hillman, though. I have to say, probably. Harry, how's it going, man? How are you doing tonight? Well, I am, like, the consummate roommate. Okay, that's actually, I think, not true. I actually think I'm probably the worst roommate. So, <laughs> I, uh, like, I'm just, yeah, so I agree with you 100% on that. <laughs> well, I, what makes you such a terrible roommate? I'm I'm getting into that. If you would let me finish, please. Uh, no, uh, no, don't let him finish. Right. You already know. No, pizza no, boxes. I'm, I'm messy. I have a really weird sleep cycle now. My sleep cycle is um, 5 a.m. to like 1 p.m. I mean, to be fair, that's probably half of America at this point. Um, it's so nice. I love the alone time uh, when my parents, my brother, and my sister are, like asleep. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, get that. Uh, Anthony, all you got to know is. He's a former college offensive lineman. Like, honestly, that pretty much says it all. I love you, Harry, but, like, I worked in college no, like, football. Like, they didn't even want to live with me. I, like, I, I know. Like, I, I, am, I am worse than, than that. Like, <laughs> I, I lived alone in, uh, in college because I'm – well, we had on-campus living all four years. But the one other year, it was still like, Harry, you're such a, like – shit roommate like yeah i kind of get it i saw this kind of i mean this i mean that's that's like the backwards way to having your own space in college which is really nice actually let me tell you what um i i yeah i i had people in my life that had no roommates their freshman year in college and it made life exceedingly more fun um that's for another day, another podcast, another place. Not for podcast Man, talk, actually. I'm just um, jealous you've actually lived alone for once. I've never done that. Well, Hell, I only had my own room for four years of my life. You know, as someone who's going to become a family <laughs> lawyer, I specialize in an area. I'm going to be specializing in an area that can actually help you live on your own for the first time if you're ever interested. Just let you know. Yeah, that, services that's, are there. Not that's not happening. That's not happening. That's right. You're a good man. You're a good man and a good marriage. Happy for you, Anthony. Congratulations. Thanks, buddy. Um, all right, guys, we're here to talk Michigan sports, not necessarily Anthony's marriage or Harry Hillman's, <laughs> you know, personal problems here. Harry, if you showered every other day, it would, it would go a long ways. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I, I shower twice a day. It's not the showering. Okay. All right. 
I, like, sure, I, sure. I personally don't smell bad. It's the like being inconsiderate of other people's time and space. That's like the big issue. He is self-aware of his own lack of self-awareness. That goes a long way. That's the first step. All right, guys, let's talk Michigan sports here. Let me segue right. this into a beautiful, beautiful way. Um, you know, there are some high school basketball players maybe did not have the self-awareness to understand how much this would impact my life if they didn't go to the University of Michigan next year. <laughs> I mean, talk about inconsiderate. You know, our top two prospects for the class of 2020-2021 uh, not coming to Michigan anymore. That happened fast. Um, so before I say anymore, Harry, Anthony, which one of you two want to break down the situation? And I need some positivity in my life, so tell me why it's going to be okay it, you know, everything else in my life is pretty much burning down to this ground at this point. Uh, Go ahead, Harry. Anthony, and so um, take me back off the ledge so I don't end up protesting in Lansing uh, tomorrow. Harry can go first. Yeah, so just a, a brief summary. Uh, Josh Christopher, the number seven recruit in the country and uh, longtime Michigan near lock um ended up eschewing michigan for um west coast arizona state his brother plays there drop it the bags be- james harden university drop the bags so so we know he's not going to michigan and we know isaiah todd is going to europe instead of michigan as like a domino effect was that a domino effect no, i don't think so i don't think i i hadn't thought isaiah todd was going to be at michigan in a couple weeks it just literally happened in the same 12 hours the, i mean yeah the when he didn't sign his uh letter of intent in the first signing period i kind of just crossed him off the list i didn't think he'd ever come Okay, fair. And so, so when he took Michigan out, I didn't think he was even going to be eligible. Weird, weird. So that's the long and short of it. Um, Anthony, when you first heard about it, were you as not surprised as Harry's making it out to be that he, he was not – was this coming? Did we know this was kind of in the works here? Uh, what was uh, your – Which one, Christopher or Todd? Okay, from your level of – No, which, which guy was I surprised about, Christopher or Todd? Or both. Uh, well, well, both. But I was going to say, from from the level of knowing Jim Harbaugh is coming to Michigan to being surprised that John Beeline left for the Cleveland Cavaliers, where on that scale were you? If knowing Jim Harbaugh is coming to Michigan is a one, uh, and 10 is Jim, John Beeline leaving. Probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I had a well, time yes. wasn't coming. I mean, I remained hopeful because I'm, I'm an optimist by nature in general, uh, yeah. kind of, sometimes. Especially when it comes to recruiting, I guess. Uh, Christopher, I was really optimistic, but uh, turns out we were all wrong. Which uh, that one I didn't really understand, because uh, I mean I get it, go play with your brother and all that stuff. Trust me, I, I totally understand that. Bags. But no, it's not that. I don't think it. But the, the puzzling I thing mean, you know, is he said he said grow his brand. You're playing on the West Coast uh, at a school that barely makes a tournament versus play for Arizona versus, State. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> grow brand seemed to me you go to the one that with the Sky. biggest. You know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. but whatever i mean stay on the west coast play with, play with family i get that man i'm i'm not mad i mean i get it i'm sure as hell i mean I'm, it sucks but i'm not angry or anything i think that's the wrong emotion frankly i mean arizona but, state's a good team bobby yeah Hurley i mean took bobby over, a good coach, uh, man yeah bobby early is, is a really good coach for when you almost want to make the tournament or, or make it as 11 seed that's okay though harry what were you gonna say 
I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I think it makes sense. Arizona State was 20 and 11 this year. Pac 12 gets to stay close to home. But did they uh, actually make the tournament? No, they didn't. I mean, I rest my case. Point proven. No, but did no, Michigan they were making the tournament. tournament man. Don't, don't, don't do that to me. Don't, don't do semantics. I mean, they didn't make the tournament. Uh, I don't want to hear it. It makes a lot of sense. ASU was probably going to be a 10 seed. They were in. I kid. I, I joke. I, no. The joke is that there was no tournament, guys. That's okay. I know, continue. Right? No, I continue. Joke, don't don't, don't play with me like that. <laughs> What's up, Harry? What's up? No, I, I was just saying that I think that ultimately for eight months, I I see why Arizona State. Like, I get it. It's not the end-all, be-all. Like, he's I mean, one of those it's like yeah people are dropping bags for i guarantee you got a bag to go to arizona state i had a funny feeling he'd probably get a bag if he went to michigan um well that's the whole point is we we hired juan howard because it's time to start dropping the bags too right? yeah no absolutely yeah. um i'm just saying i don't think that was a, a reason for it i think it was strictly uh well, you know what playing in the move west when i can be in arizona with super hot women and not let, nearly as much pressure. Let me say this. If I was an 18-year-old five-star basketball player, more so than the football, I, I always understood why football recruits would have a good time and go to Arizona State. But basketball players, how is how is Tempe, Arizona, Arizona State not like the number one destination for basketball I mean, players? Arizona, Arizona basically is. Yeah, but That's like but like Tucson, Tucson, Arizona is not is not Scottsdale. It's not um Arizona State. Like, Arizona State is is so by far and away the better campus compared to the two. But, but Lou Olson well, didn't just have you, you girls guys, on his side. Do you guys know race. about the uh, travel in the Pac-12? Sorry, I, I thought you were yes. you kind of cut up there. Long road Do, do you guys know about the, the – the, yeah, because they do travel partners and stuff. They don't even have their own planes. It's kind of weird. They're, they're very uh, stuck before 1995 where uh, most teams switched over to, like, their own and stuff. But girls. I mean, you, yeah, they're they are bur 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 rope. Yeah. Yes, well, the Pac-12 never having zero distribution uh, is a giant part of that. Okay, so so anyways, you know, anyways, I we've talked about Josh Christopher. We understand. Well, I I really am not personally that upset about it. I get it. Uh, it is what it is. But I did think he was coming to Michigan, and that would have been really cool. Right, Isaiah Todd, I get it. I guess it makes a lot more sense the more you think about it. And personally, if I was a five-star recruit. I'd probably either go to Arizona State or make money, make $100,000 in Europe or New Zealand or China than I would go to class at University of Michigan for six months, right? Like, I I get both of those decisions. The thing that really shocked me, though, as someone who, you know, is in law school right now, I have kids, the, the Michigan scene has really started to to run past me. I'm not even on Twitter anymore. Right. I mean, I am just silently. I don't tweet. The thing that really shocked me was how good our recruiting class still is without these guys. Right. So I don't want to lament on it too long. But now moving the page, turning the page, moving forward, this solves a lot of our roster management questions that we had. And also, how good is this class going into next year? Who would like to take that first? Harry, Anthony, yeah. I, okay. Yeah, um, Harry, go first. I, I want to hear. I want to hear your positive. Now. I think the class is good. I just uh, um, hindsight being twenty twenty, it's it's funny how everyone was saying they'd rather have uh, Juwan Howard over John Beeline 
with, because of uh, Howard's recruiting. And now uh, this is looking like one of like Beeline's worst classes. Like Beeline was a secretly good recruiter. That's my point. Okay, uh, okay. I, I get he was a secretly good recruiter. And his recruits have to be analyzed with a hindsight 2020 view because yeah, because they're all three stars who developed this this class is still by far and away like uh, is this not better than Hisdoskis Glenn Robinson class or is it not even close not even well close. okay then explain to me why nationally it's still twelfth overall uh, I don't think did what was Beeline's class like fifth overall with the McGarry Eighth. crew eighth yeah okay okay so I would I would at least say that they're comparable. Which is pretty impressive I mean, I for year one of Jordan Howard. They, they don't have, like, that class had a top 20 player nationally, a five-star. Uh, Mitch Gary is top 30. I mean, I think it's a really good class. Right, right. Uh, right. I'm really excited by Zeb Jackson. But yeah, dude. When, I, uh, I think people forgot about Zeb. is a 7-2 guy. It's like, that's tough. That's tough with where basketball's going. Is it tough? Hundred. I mean, we've seen with Teske – you can be successful with with a massive big man. Um, I mean, I would say if you looked at Purdue with what Purdue did the last few years um, with Swanigan and the other, the ridiculously tall white oh, guy. No, I, I get that. I think you can win with a massive big man, but I don't know if you can win if that massive big man is your best player. So, so I have a question for you guys. And I take your point here. I think they're all really good points. Um, I think you still have to take the massive big man and hope that other people around him also develop. Yeah. With the loss of those top two guys, are there any one-and-done threats seriously with this class coming in now? Are, are we looking at Zeb, no. Hunter, and Terrence Williams being guys who are here for two, three, four years easily? Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's important. Uh, that's for important. sure. Definitely. I'd probably say three on all, all three at a minimum three years. On all three, um, uh, Terrence Williams is really good. Uh, I watched his, his a bunch of his clips uh, yesterday and this morning. I mean, a guy could just get buckets, man. He's he's a weird matchup because he's kind of a small power forward and kind of a big small forward. He's kind of a tweener, weird size, and he can really defend. I I, I, I like him. I mean, he was eighty five overall, so it's not like he was chopped liver. And he's well, six seven twenty. Okay, so it's can, not like you know he's already got a body for the Big Ten. Let me just throw out one more thing. You know, it's crazy because if you would have told me five years ago, hey, we lost the top two players in our recruiting class, and we still have the sixty ninth, thirty second, and eighty sixth overall commits, um, that would have just blown my mind, right? Like that. That was five guys in the top one hundred, and now we only have three guys in the top one hundred. So it shows you really. I think Juwan Howard's incredible acumen for recruiting. And also, if you put Juwan Howard in this class and this recruiting cycle back to 2018 or 2017, 2016, Isaiah Todd's not going to Europe, right? Like this Europe thing is such a new phenomenon yeah. that is – well, I mean, tell me, am I wrong? Would Isaiah Todd be going to Europe two years ago, three years he ago? He still might because, like Brandon Jennings, you know. Wait, no, but but no. We're, we're, years ago. We're talking about one guy. We're talking about one guy every few years, every few years. Well, man, right? Mudiay went to China. Yeah, I think Isaiah probably wait a little more than that. Isaiah or Brandon Jennings, Emmanuel Mudiay, Jeremy Tyler. Um, there were Anthony Simons went. To IMG, Bro, so that so that uh, that IMG. was a new thing. But all I'm saying is like, yeah. we're talking about like 
one guy per class pretty much for the past decade, right? So so two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, this is such a new thing that's going to Europe as a legitimate option. Um, and I think that probably would change things with Josh Christopher too. Uh, regardless, I'm excited about this class. I think this class still looks great. And I am actually excited about the thought of continuity. One thing about Isaiah Todd is you knew he was not a finished product, right? He was so raw, he was going to get drafted because of his potential still, right? We were just a placeholder for him. Josh Christopher, more of a finished product, and he was just so good, he's probably going to go straight to the pros. So that's a different story. I'm more disappointed about losing Christopher than Todd, and I think most people would be. Uh, Well, yeah, everybody wants to see us. You know, all star six five shooting guard dunking on people. I mean, that's something everybody wants to we, see. We want, <laughs> we want the yeah, yeah, the, the the guards for sure. Guard plays where it's at. Yeah. All right, guys, I feel good about that. Harry, what would you like to say about this before we move on to the next topic? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a good class. I think there is continuity involved. I think these are all good players, but at the at the end of the day. It uh, Juwan Howard missed on most of his uh, top, top guys, whether that's directly his fault or not. I mean, he lost on Burnett, Moody, Springer, Kessler, Todd, Christopher. Like, I think he still did a really good job. He still landed three of the top 100 players in the nation and the top top team in the conference, top current class in the conference. Okay, okay. Well, uh, the Big Ten kind of recruits like dog shit, though. So what happens so, if, he, if he so if he randomly if he lands in the future twenty percent of those top guys you're saying he missed out on? If he gets better after year one of this, I, I would I would venture to say that yeah, this I is mean, still like coach. No, I I didn't say that um, he wasn't going to get better and he wasn't capable of landing these guys. Uh, I'm just saying that. This year, it was uh, he kind of got fortunate that this happened so late when the narrative was already established. I mean, I do think he's a good recruiter. I mean, let me tell you for na- for narrative, I I logged into Snapchat today. Really- the top Snapchat story today for like half the day on April fifteenth, when everyone's in quarantine and no one is working, everyone's on Snapchat. The top story was Michigan loses top two recruits in twenty four hours. <laughs> and I was like, damn, that's not a good look. Right. Yeah, no, but um, like he already has like the narrative set in stone that like he is an elite recruiter, like like it has gotten him in. And like, I think he played that like great. But it's well, also a little coming up like, well, shit, we kind of got caught like with our like dicks out on this one, because I know I know Kentucky intentionally um, like dropped out of both Isaiah Todd and josh christopher because they they both knew they were a bit of a circus and when you can't get the really elite guys that just commit and drop it it's like you gotta put up with the circus so like you got burnt anthony i i want to let you have your comment but but what you're saying right now reminds me a lot of what happened with jim harbaugh in year one and two and three where it was circus 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 well, okay, but we landed Garrett. We landed a lot of the top guys. We landed a lot of the yeah, top no, guys. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh was like an incredible recruiter right out of the gate. So I, I think Juwan yeah, Howard I mean, is, is equally an incredible recruiter. All I'm saying is, uh, this is where I was going. If you would let me finish, Harry. Here we go. Jim Harbaugh went out and went 
Press media, press media, set the narrative in stone. Great recruiter, great recruiter, set the narrative in stone. Juwan Howard really went with that with the media circus, like you're saying. And I do think that's important for a first-year coach. Now let's just hope Juwan Howard can beat some of his rivals more than you know, every other year um, and his biggest rivals every year. And that, that would go a long way towards cementing elite status at Michigan. College basketball is so much better than college football. Let me tell you what, I can't even – can't even do college football right now. Anthony, what were you going to say? I, I want to hear your positivity after Harry's brutal takedown of brand-new coach Juwan <laughs> Howard, which was completely inappropriate. Well, I'm really high on Juwan Howard, but you got to be, like, very practical about it. Harry, well, you're wrong. Uh, Anthony, give that, me the stuff I want to hear. Part of the pra- practicality to me is the fact that most of these kids he was recruiting have already been – recruited for a few years by these other programs the fact that he was able to get in and get in top fives and stuff of all these kids after basically doing it for what, 10 months, maybe. And most people, most schools have been recruiting him for three, four years at this point. You know, if you're talking that's like fair. offering eighth graders, seeing him at AAU and stuff like that. Offering uh, eighth graders. I think that's pretty, Casual. uh, well, it, well, that's not, that's not uncommon. Right. You're all. right. You're right. I get it. I get it. I mean, Brandon Johns was getting recruited by Izzo since he was in seventh grade. So, I mean, that helps that he was in Lansing. But you point. My, the, I just think that he did a pretty damn good job of getting in to the top fives and all that stuff. And, yeah, something from, from the whole Christopher thing. Maybe he'll move a little more cautiously. And, uh, you know, it was his first shot at this. Let's let's see how he does down the road. I mean, frankly, getting the class he got, he closed on Terrence Williamson. He, he got Hunter Dickinson. He kept Zeb Jackson in the fold after, um, you know, after what's his name left? Uh, after Beeline left. And, uh, you know, he got Jace to walk on, which is great. I, I'm so, telling you, I mean. I'm telling you with you, Anthony. I, I, I'm bullish. And I, I really, I know Harry is too. Uh, I know Harry was just giving us a sober reality because facts don't care about our feelings. But, Harry, I want to feel good. I need something to feel good about. So that's, that's all I'm doing. Yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I am happy. I'm excited about the opportunity for continuity moving forward with this team and hopeful that next year Juwan can learn from the lesson, you know, the lessons learned and, and, and make future recruiting classes even better, which would be not too bad from where we're starting this year, which is best in the conference and 12th of the nation even if the Big Ten recruits, as Harry Hillman would say, like dog poo-poo. All right, guys. Let me just make this not awkward transition now uh, from dog poo-poo to the next topic, which is Detroit sports. (laughs) The joke is that all Detroit is poo-poo right now. Uh, (laughs) From the Red Wings to the Lions to the Tigers. Lions, Red Wings, Tigers. Oh, my. 15 years ago, it was awesome, and now it's not. Uh, so, guys, I want to go back in the memory bank a little bit. Anthony, you're a little older than I. Harry, I'm a little older than you. Anthony, you're much older than Harry. <laughs> and with that, the the wheel of time passes on, marches on, continues. Uh, I want to hear about your guys' first and then favorite Detroit sports moments. And I bring this up on a Michigan podcast, frankly, because I've been sitting at home alone by myself. I shouldn't say alone with 
It's in at home with a seven-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-month-old continuously for the past month now. And what tends to happen is you put put YouTube on for the kids, you put Disney Plus on for the kids, and you do your own thing, watch your own stuff. I got caught down the rabbit hole of watching a documentary about the 2006 Detroit Tigers. They made a documentary nice. about the 2006 World Series runner-up Detroit Tigers, which cracks me up. And it was funny because it was copied to YouTube, and it was copied from a VHS tape. And the fact that they're yes. still making VHS tapes in 2006, 2007 blew my mind and cracked me up so with that uh, and with with talking on and on and giving you guys time to think about this topic we did not prepare for um harry anthony who would like to go first i want to hear what your first detroit sports memory is and then the next time we'll, we'll move on next time about your favorite one harry what is your first detroit sports memory that that you have recollected uh, 2001 or no, 2002, such a baby the Thanksgiving day game. My, uh, my pops was, uh, good friends with the lion safety's wife. And we usually got like the hookup on tickets. Um, so probably that that's the first one I actually remember is pretty cool. So did you, you went, you're saying you went to a Thanksgiving yeah. to a Lions game. Well, the old, uh, that was at that time still at the Pontiac Silverdome. Right? Is that the silver? You've been to a Silverdome Lions football game. What's up? What, 03 or 04? That is awesome. So yeah. It's right before I, Ford Field opened. I went, to this, I went to the Silverdome. I went to Tiger Stadium, but I don't remember that because I was like three or four. Right, right. I, I've never been to either. Anthony, I've been before, both. before you answer, have you been to the Silverdome for A, a Pistons game, and then B, a Lions game? No, no Pistons game. Went to the last Monday night football game there. I'm not even a Lions fan. I'm a Dolphins fan just because, you know, I was 19 and, you know, booze was involved. And uh, I got to see four fights just in our section alone. Four fights and two people puke on themselves. It was awesome. And uh, the Lions were getting beat by the Rams. They were chanting for Charlie Batch to come in by the third quarter. Oh. It was an epic night. It, it was the Lions. Oh, and for- uh, my friend's brother left and my friend's brother left him there. Uh, so we had to, I had to ride home in the back of an Explorer with it without the seat because he was like six four and he wasn't going to do that. It was, so, it was yeah, Lions, that was a weird ass Lions versus the Rams on Monday Night Football. Can I tell yeah. you? I I have this really specifically random memory of living in North Carolina and watching that game on a literal like ten inch monitor. It was like a camping. It was like a camping TV that you got the signal with an antenna, but it like it was literally ten inches. It was very tiny. It was black and white. I, I, I was white and ten inches. <laughs> I had one of those uh, those uh, TVs. Or well, my mom did when I was a kid. He was so, in the kitchen. My dad, on, yeah, yeah. So was ours. My dad on Monday Night Football would put that on for me, and I could watch the first quarter, and then I had to go to bed because the games didn't start until like nine <laughs> nice. o'clock. I was like ten or eleven at the time. That's amazing. Actually, this is a super deep cut. If anyone found a video of that. They did like an intro with the with the Rams comparing them to the sports cars of Detroit because they were the greatest show on turf at the time, um, and that was the whole intro was comparing them, uh, which is very lame. However, that was thick. Yeah, Graphics are as good as they used to be. Yeah, I no, mean, no. it was yeah, something about the darkness of them. Fair, so. 
though. You're that you don't even remember. And Harry wasn't even nope. born yet, so it's all good. Well, but, uh, what? No, it was 2002. No, this, was, this was 2002, and actually, it was the one year anniversary of 9/11 that we went to that game. It was kind of crazy. It was a it was a weird day. That is a weird day. Um, right around there. I don't know if it was actually the day, but it was right around there because security was super tight. I remember that. I remember like being super nervous walking in there because I was 19 and drunk. You know. <laughs> But, yeah, that was that was wild. <laughs> I've also been drunk inside of a Lions football stadium before for the MAC championship game of Bowling Green versus Northern Illinois in 2014. Uh, got super drunk off of two four, two four locos. Uh, it was a mistake. I'm going to tell you what, because I had a third one and ended up maybe or maybe not jumping on top of a car. So that maybe happened. <laughs> um, my Allegedly. first... My allegedly, my first Detroit sports memory uh, was when the Red Wings won their first Stanley Cup in what 51 years, I think it was uh, 1996, 1997. Um, and I remember I was living in North Carolina at the time, and my dad was like, David, we're gonna stay up really late tonight to watch this game because my favorite hockey team from when I was growing up is going to win this trophy. And I remember because was it Mike Vernon, I think, was the starting goaltender on that team. Not Chris yeah, Osgood. He was. Um, he was the next year. Yeah, he was the next year. First off, Chris Osgood, the legend, right? The, the Detroit legend. Um, he should be if he's not the. Um, anyways, I, I just remember my dad like borderline crying the fact that the Detroit Red Wings were like carrying the Stanley Cup around the ice rink. Uh, when they won the Stanley Cup, because my, my dad grew up playing hockey, he played high school hockey. Um, he was a goalie, and somewhat infamously, my dad tells this story for his own personal legend. Uh, his team in Midland, Michigan, beat his rival team. Uh, the Midland Chemics beat the Dow Chargers, uh, and he was a starting goalie his senior year, um, the night before uh, the Miracle on Ice in 1980. Right, so my dad's this big hockey guy, played goalie, wins the big rivalry game in high school, and then the Miracle on Ice happens. And so at a very specific place in time, my dad loves hockey, et cetera, et cetera. Grew up massive hockey yeah. fan, massive Red Wings fan. Took me my, to the very first Carolina Hurricanes game was there. Um, That's cool. Yeah, because we lived in North Carolina. We, we always went to see the Red Wings whenever they would come to Carolina every year. Uh so uh, you guys are going to make me sound real old when I tell you what my first Detroit sports memory was. <laughs> what Was it not Was it not the Monday Night Football game? In, in... No, dude, that was, that was 2002. I, I was 19 years old. Let, let me guess. Does it have uh, to do with Isaiah Thomas? It was, uh, yeah, it does. It was a bad voice. Isaiah Thomas is the only card to ever play the game. Don't at me. Or do I argue with you about that? You're wrong, and I'm going to be. That, that is yeah, literally. It, is, it was the. Uh, it was, that's in 88 I was five it was awesome That's I remember getting my parents getting us getting the three of us the uh cartoon big head t-shirts you know with the whole team on them do you guys remember those well, things well, they, they made that they made that for the 2004 Pistons yeah that was copy off the original I had the 88 one when I was a kid it was awesome I used to wear it to school every Friday because it was like the coolest shirt I owned I I remember I remember the 2004 one because Ben Wallace obviously had the big old head or the hair, and then Tayshawn Prince had a face that kind of looked comparable to the Scream mask. Remember the Scream movies? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of what Tayshawn's looked like. Um, 
Okay. All right. I see they've that. Been, uh, they've been reshown the 04 uh, on uh, FSD. But yeah, no, that was uh, when I remember uh, just being like, it was just kind of crazy. Like my whole neighborhood was happy as hell. Yeah. See, and you know, it's really funny. That question elicited a response, which was Harry answered from the 2000s. I answered from the mid 90s. And then Anthony answered from the late 80s. So yep. tells you the, the exact age range there for all three of us. Um, Harry is such a troll. Even even when we're recording podcasts, Harry's just a troll constantly. I see Whoa. you up there. I, I like okay. No, I'm just <laughs> I was gonna say I have no idea what you're talking about right now. He has no idea what we're talking about, Anthony. Um I I don't know what either of you are talking about. Remember my videos off. Actually, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh Anthony. Yes. Now tell me what Wait, was your favorite Detroit sports moment then the Monday night football game? Oh, God, no. I'm, I'm not a Lions fan. That was well, hilarious, though. Watching a bunch of dots fighting and puking on each other was a great night. Don't get me wrong. That was hilarious. But, no, I grew up a Dolphins fan. Diehard Dolphins fan. So tell uh, me, but no, I, I, what's your favorite my, sports moment? Uh, my favorite Detroit sports moment, it's probably probably when the Pistons won it in 04, but the other two in contention was Maglio's home run in 06 to beat the A's to walk off because that was awesome. I was at a bar and we were having a really good time and we had a bunch of shit. And, uh, and then uh, either that or uh, when Carlos Guillen pimped that home run on Jared Weaver in 2011. Remember when he stared him down? Dude, Carlos like, Guillen was... Mean the... mugged him on a Sunday. Let's see what, Mags hitting the home run to beat the Yankees... One of my all-time favorite sports yeah, memories. Yeah. Like, I mean, just like unbelievable, right? So, so that was part of the po- uh, that but was part of the documentary. I do watched. you remember the Gian one where he stared at? Do you remember Gian one where he stared at? Uh, he so somebody threw at I can't remember who threw at him before, but then he hits a home run off of Jared Weaver and just stared at him, carried the bat halfway down the line, and just mean mugged him. And then it was like a half up brawl after that. It was great. Carlos Gian is going to be like the forgotten one of that Tiger crew. But he was so good. He was an all-star. But like between Plasto Polanco, Avon Rodriguez, I don't know how to come uh, Avon. Uh, Who calls him Avon? Pudge. Between Plasto Polanco, Pudge, Carlos Guillen, um the Curtis Granderson. Curtis Granderson was my dude. Chris Granderson was my dude. favorite tiger until the day they traded him for Austin Jackson okay, and Max okay. Scherzer. My turn. My turn. My turn. So when I was um when I just moved to Chicago. I uh, I went to a Tigers White Sox game late September uh, when all they have the forty man roster call ups and a bunch of nobodies like standing around signing autographs and um, I ended up getting Curtis Granderson's autograph that day. Uh, seventh inning, he had his first big league hit. So Ew, no. I got his day. So he's been my favorite baseball player of all time. And then I Hell found yeah, he went to UIC. Yeah. And- the, the baseball coach at my high school, Curtis Granderson, broke um, his steals record in college. Oh, that's cool. So, Not for your coach, and but the, cool the for Granderson. The on my, uh, my grandpa's like old mitt that like he gave me before he passed, so it's like pretty sentimental item. I dig it. That is so. That is a great yeah, story, Harry. That's a great story. Curtis yeah. Granderson was my guy. Cause in, yeah. In high school – Right around the time, he, so he came up maybe in like 2005, I think. Not, that was my freshman yeah, year. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was late 
04 when he got like it might have been late 05. Well, I think yeah, he, no, he came no. up if I remember he came up September call-ups in 04 and then he debuted in 05 officially if I remember correctly. Yes, yes, that's I that's exactly what happened because 05 was the year they were first good or like they showed signs of being good, right? They showed they were signs. They yeah, they were like actually competitive which Compared to the past few years, when they're literally the worst team in baseball until the two, until the 2018 Tigers, they're literally the worst team in baseball history. Um, pretty impressive. We went all the way back around to being the worst team uh, in, in baseball history in, in a solid like 17 years. Uh, but anyways, Curtis Granderson came up. My favorite thing. Uh, so I was a catcher and I was a center fielder in high school. Uh, I so my main guys were David Wright and Curtis Granderson growing up because. Both of them, you see my sexy legs right now? They wore the socks up. They wore the socks Woo! up. Yeah, that's right. I know. It's like a like a garter. Uh, right? See my leg there. Both Chris Granderson and David Wright always wore the socks up, and I digged it so hard. I was like, those are real baseball players. You got to wear the socks all the way up. Right? Uh, uh, my my MLB The Show franchise, uh, nobody on my team has anything but the pulled-up socks. Right. Uh, Pull you're up not socks on my team stirrups. unless you pull your socks up. Stirrups or pull-up? No, just the, just the pull-up socks. Good. I think, socks. I think stirrups are a step too far in the past. Um, I like the stirrups, but I just don't think they're great. I think pulled-up socks is way more way more reasonable. Harry, did you ever play baseball? Uh, for the Dontrell Willis trade. Okay. This is actually a true story. It must have exploded over Dontrell and then just settled for Miggy. I yeah. guarantee you, because I was so much more excited for Dontrell. Well, let me tell you what. I worked at Wendy's at I was in high school at the time, and um, I, I got a text. You kissed Dontrell Willis on the lips. Yes. Uh, so I, <laughs> I, I went to my car, got in my car, and checked my text. And my best friend in high school at the time, who was on the baseball team, texted me. He said, the Tigers just traded for Dontrell Willis and Miguel Cabrera for Andrew Miller and uh, Cameron Maben. And at the time, I loved those two. I, I was like, these are going to be the next great Tigers, right? They, they weren't up, but they were just drafted. Um and I, I remember texting like a seven page text to my dad about how the Tigers were going to win like three World Series because at that time you could only send 160 characters per text or 140 characters per text. Um, and so if you did a really long text, it would send like one text, second part, mm-hmm. third part, boom, 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 way before your time, Harry. It was crazy. Um, it wasn't even <laughs> on a smartphone, but that mattered. Uh, so, so I remember that. And the crazy thing is, a year before, me and my dad went to a Tigers game, and it was against the Marlins in interleague play. Did not get Miguel Cabrera's autograph or anything. He was not there. Um, it was actually it was the year after Pudge signed for the Tigers. So so there's still kind of some coolness between Pudge's one year stop with Florida, and then um, and then being with the Tigers. But Dontrell Willis signed my baseball, so I have a Dontrell Willis signed baseball at my parents' house still. And then we got traded to the Tigers. I was like, this is going to be worth a million bucks once he wins a World Series. And then and then something was really weird about the fact he could not hit. The fact he, Dontrell Willis was not allowed to hit really messed with him mentally. Do you guys remember that? I mean, he was so sick on the Marlins. And then he was even a, he was like an above-average hitter, which blew my mind, right? Like he was a good hitter, legitimately a good baseball hitter. And, yeah, uh, speak for yourself on that one. I was more excited about getting Miguel Cabrera. I mean, okay, my, uh, my boss at the time, him and I were just nuts about Cabrera. For what's worth, I was I was equally excited about Miguel Cabrera. I was more excited about Miguel, but Harry just kind of 
put words into my mouth there, but that's fine. That's fine. I get it. I was I was definitely excited about both of them. Like I was equally excited that both of them were going to yeah, be no, the no. Believe me, players. I was pumped to get Willis, but no, I was. I mean, Miguel was like Cabrera. Miguel was legit like the best. Miguel Cabrera was legitimately at that moment in time when they traded for him, he was legitimately like Bryce Harper esque when it comes to this is the best guy who's going to be the best player for the next 10, 15 years. Everyone knew it when they traded for him, which was the crazy part. That was the crazy part. And not saying anything about Bryce Harper specifically, but the hype that came with Bryce. Miguel had that if it was like a Latin American, oh, I'm not white, so I'm not getting as much media attention type of player. Was that controversial? uh, No, not really. No, because he didn't get as much attention, but he was clearly like the best player in the National League at like 22 uh, years. Until he got in that legal issues, uh, you know. He's at the Tigers. I mean, I think, like the main thing is people don't really care that much about baseball, and he played for like the smallest market in You're baseball. Right. And, but he was clearly like heads and shoulders better than everyone else as like a 22 year old who played like left field when they won the World Series. He played in the outfield when they won the World Series. Yeah, no. he, he came up as a short. Star. Imagine that Miguel Cabrera. Like kids these days who are, just. Like, Six five, and they're like, you can't be a shortstop anymore. Get in the left field. And my my favorite story about Miguel, which is very heartwarming, it's very actual. You you can relate to him. It's the fact when he first came to America, he didn't know how to speak English, and the only thing they knew how to do was go to Taco Bell and order like the number five. I think he's what he said. So literally every day as a minor leaguer, you go to Taco Bell and order like the number five. Uh, and, and basically that's how Miguel Cabrera said he gained so much weight was because his like first two years on the Marlins major league team, he only went to Taco Bell every day after after practice, games, whatnot, and ordered Taco Bell every single day. Which is <laughs> which like makes sense because if you ever look at any pictures of like between two thousand three and two thousand four, I think it is, two thousand two and two thousand three, he goes from being one hundred and seventy pounds to like two hundred and thirty pounds. I I mean Literally within the span of three months, he gained sixty pounds. Uh, big boy, big boy, Miggy. Anyways, th- those are some good stories. I, Detroit watching that documentary really inspired some Detroit sports feels for me, which was nice because of how bad all the Detroit sports teams have been over the past five, ten years now. Ten years. I mean, Tigers are the team that's been the most relevant, the most recent. And it's still been four yeah, years. Yeah, sixteen. They made a run. Yeah, yeah. Is Harry? Did, did you have any other thoughts before before we move on to maybe like final uh, thoughts? What? Miguel Cabrera. Our thoughts on what? Because Miguel Cabrera, I think, probably one of the ten best hitters of all time. Easy, easily top five right hand. Anyways, easily top yeah. five oh, yeah. right hand hitters. And his stats yeah. don't do him justice. Playing in Comerica Park. I'm sorry, Harry. One more, one more thing. Looking, playing the show, you could look up all these players' stats. Looking at Miguel Cabrera's stats, playing in Comerica Park really did him a severe injustice. If he played in literally any other ballpark, he would have already had 500 home runs by now. And now I'm worried that he's not even going to get to 500. He's like f- at 473. So big. He'll he'll be in Detroit for the next two years minimum. Yeah, uh, he's so 2022, got- I think. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> If you put him in Yankee Stadium, he's probably got 700 home runs. <laughs> <laughs> like, genuinely, at least 550. At Legit. least 550. Yeah. If you put him in that, he's got 700 home runs. If you put him in AL East in general, he's got yeah, 700, he's 700 right now. Because think about how many, like, die in those 
420 and then those those big old alleys in uh you know right and le- left field you know what i'm talking about the power alleys oh, he's yeah. had a lot of balls die there then in a lot of parks that's well, a dinger man if you look at all the doubles if you look at all of the doubles miguel cabrera's hit in his time in detroit and all you have to do is imagine that 15 percent of those doubles are home runs because they would be in other ballparks if you played in if you played in new york or even boston yeah um or Cincinnati or Philadelphia, literally anywhere else, right? Oh, Chicago, either one in Chicago. Yes. So if you look at and you say fifteen percent of those doubles are home runs, he's already at five fifty. I mean, so maybe yeah. not to that extent, but like he's he's there, right? So Miggy's the dude. I mean, I just love Miguel Cabrera so much, so much. First ballot Hall of Famer, easily. If he- First ballot Hall of Famer, then I'm gonna go to Cooperstown for the second time in my life. The and dude, punch all those nerds in the face. Did he not? Am I remembering this correctly? That he won a triple crown, the same yeah. year that oh, yeah. that Justin Verlander won Cy Young. Uh, yeah, and then two separate years. They were back to back years. After that was so cool. That was so cool when they the were... Tigers were just the best team in baseball and everyone knew it, even though they didn't win a World Series. Yeah, were... you remember when they had four Cy Young Award winners in the same rotation and got swept by the Orioles? That could be yeah. top five best Detroit memories. Yeah, because they had no bullpen whatsoever. That's the Dave Dombrowski special right there. Kill your team and zero bullpen. I remember uh, he did it. In, I mean, he managed to win a title in Boston, but their their franchises they're losing players because that dude just trades everybody. Let me just tell. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at, I mean, Dave Dombrowski drained Detroit so dry. He, the goat. The goat. Okay, next. Oh, no. He got them all. Traders, he got all. We, we had our time yeah. at the top. I will not endorse any Dombrowski slander. He did what he had to I do. I agree. I agree. I no, know. I hear you. No, I'm not slandering him too much. I'm just saying, like, he, he to get to where he goes, he has a tendency to gut a farm system. My, my, my biggest, my, he's got the, he was Daryl Morey. He was baseball's Daryl Morey before Daryl Morey even existed. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's Theo Epstein. No, yeah. I mean, think about, no, 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 no. Theo Epstein. No, he's not Daryl Morey, dude. Hold up, hold up. He's like Mitch. Who's he's whoever the Lakers GM. Anthony, was. give me a minute here. Harry. Oh my God, this is gonna be such a bad comparison. Yeah. Okay. Are was... you ready for this? You ready for this, Anthony? You ready for this, Harry? Okay. How many titles has Daryl Morey won? Zero. Just, just let me talk here. Was Daryl Morey's entire philosophy based off of three pointers? One skill, you you have to get two to three star players, and then you let fill in the roster everywhere else. But the thing is, getting the one star player, then two to three other guys to support him, and then just let let the stats take control, right? Which always ends up with fundamental, big time flaws that don't really come out until you're super deep in the playoffs and it doesn't matter anymore. Dave Dombrowski built his entire roster with every single team he's ever worked with on power pitching. The best power pitching you can possibly afford. Trade, trade, trade. Power, power, power. Power pitching, power pitching, power pitching. Power home run hitting, home run hitting, home run hitting. No steals, power hitting. They focus on fundamentally the same things, which means that they both end up with the best team or the best two, three, top team, top tier teams, which is great. And then when you get to the playoffs, sometimes it doesn't work out. Which I will say, Dave Dombrowski deserved at least one title with Detroit when he was here in Detroit. At least, right? But in baseball, the thing I don't like about baseball, the thing I least like about baseball, is the fact that you can be the best team for 162 games, and then you have one bad three-game stretch and it's over. That's stupid to me. That's legitimately stupid. If any sport was ever to adopt the the European soccer model, 
of you win a title for the best season played, I would say baseball should adopt it because 162 games should outweigh 15 postseason games. It's really freaking annoying that 15 postseason games can outweigh 162-game season. That's a topic for another day. However, Dombrowski and Daryl Morey are very similar in the most complimentary ways. They're they're both top two, top three GMs in their sport always at all times throughout their entire career because they do all the important things to make their team a top-tier team. You just see the flaws sometimes because they're so— You're just saying— they're good GMs that haven't won a title. Like that's that's basically the root of the argument. No, like, no, no. Uh, the root the root of the argument is the Dombrowski won a title with the uh, Red Sox. Yeah, but I mean, years ago. yeah, three years ago, two years ago, he bought a title. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, he he bought a title. Yes, I'm I'm. Well, everybody buys a title in professional sports. So I'm not, except for <laughs> you can't in basketball because it's like I I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm saying they both they both took essentially the power route. They brute forced their team into being contenders and brute forcing your team into being a contender is successful, but not necessarily up until a certain point. Right. So, but essentially the good teams don't win titles, the good teams don't win titles. I don't think it has to be any deeper than that. I think it's a, uh, it's an off base comparison. I don't understand. Did you listen to anything I just said? Yeah, no, I did. They have the I mean, same philosophy. Been, they have literally the same they philosophy. They don't have the same philosophy. Okay, what, what's what's their Maury's philosophy? Maury's philosophy was stockpiling assets to go all in on one star and build the team around that. Did one. we not just talk about Dave Dombrowski's philosophy was emptying the farm system to get the very best players you possibly could to try and win a system? They're different forms of building. Well, that's because they're different. They're different sports. You can't just build around one yeah, person I, in, I, I, in baseball. That's my biggest gripe with the comparison. I, I don't like like cross sport. Like, did we not literally just say Dave Dombrowski drains his entire farm no, system no, Dave, to get top tier no, players? No, no I, I I heard everything you, like you just said. I, I just think it's wrong. <laughs> not that it's wrong. I just don't agree with it. You know what you're like, Harry. No, like I, I, I want to make it clear. Like I, I did hear everything you said. I just don't agree with it. You know, this explains everything. Harry just came back from protesting in Lansing, which really explains everything I have to say. Right, right. That explains the whole argument there. What, what, what does that even mean? What does that have to do with the price of tea in China, man? What, what's, <laughs> what was going on in Lansing today? If you don't know, that's good. I'm glad you weren't there in Lansing. That makes me think much, much better of you. Uh, I, I, also, he a, lives like a lot far away from there. <laughs> it's okay if we disagree. It's okay if we disagree about the Dombrowski moral comparison, as long as you were not in Lansing protesting. Uh, I was and, just listening to you guys argue. That was. Fun. And, and if you if you don't if you don't know what happened in Lansing on the fifteenth of April, two thousand twenty, Google it and then laugh at the stupidity. Just just laugh at it. Just laugh at it. We don't we don't need to get political on this podcast. We just laugh at it. All right, guys. I think this went pretty well tonight. Let's wrap things up. Harry, astute points from you, even if you're wrong uh, about the comparison between David Dombrowski and Daryl Morey, which are very great comparisons, if I do say so myself. Anthony, thank you for joining us also, since uh, you agreed with me that David Dombrowski and Daryl Morey were great hey, comparisons. I didn't agree nothing, man. I was just an impartial listening to you two argue. That was hilarious. Yeah. I, I, I'm an impartial. I don't... I, I, I see both, both sides of the 
of the coin up if that were. Uh, I'm waiting cool. for this like Jay Glazer story to drop. It's apparently supposed to be like huge national news. About Jay Glazer? It, no, Jay Glazer tweeted yesterday he was dropping like national news today, but it wasn't transactional. It was national. So makes me think that like probably Dana White just feeds him stuff from like the meeting with Trump. Probably. Oh, that's, a- that's I, I would I would connect those dots pretty easily in terms of knowing those like Dana White's a dumb like person in general. I'm not even in. I don't even watch MMA, and that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I just know Jay Glazer's like also an MMA guy. Jay Glazer and Joe Rogan, like I'm not sure if they're like different people. They're pretty. <laughs> I've, I've never seen them in the same room. I've definitely. Well, I've conflated them a lot in my life. That's that's for sure. All right, guys, wait, before before any news gets broken that we have to record about, let's wrap this up. We got Anthony Troya in one corner, Harry Hillman in another. I'm your host, David Arnold. Uh, and maybe sometime soon we'll get Steven Ostentoski to join us as well. Forget Garrett Fishall. He's never going to join this podcast. We know that much. Uh, for all of our friends, have a good quarantine. Have a good quarantine. Coronacation, coronacation. Um, stay safe, stay smart, people. Stay smart. Please wear gloves in public if you have to go in public. Love your kids. Love your grandparents. Call your grandparents. I think that's the checklist. Call all of your grandparents. Seriously, tonight, do it. If you're this far in this podcast, just call them right now. Uh, or your parents. Yeah, if you're this far into your pod, the podcast, you literally have nothing better to be doing. Seriously, call your parents right now. Right. Like, like right now, as soon as it's a reasonable time of the day. Just call your parents. Just, just. Yeah, there's no please. way in hell my parents in their 70s are up right now. <laughs> yeah. Next time it's a solid hour, call them because it's it's a time to love your parents and tell them that much. Uh, yeah. Anyways, have a good night, guys. Go blue. All right. Good night. Go blue. Follow at Harrison Quinn ninety. Oh. All right, at Anthony Ant underscore Troya. Wait, say at it one more time. At Ant underscore Troya. And follow the MGo Fish podcast at MGo Fish. And for that, have a good night, guys. Go Blue. Go Blue.